Take your Bible, if you would, please. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. We'd like to welcome all of those joining us by way of live stream and also those of you who are listening by radio all over the world. We're so glad you're with us today, and I trust that you have a good time. Today is the beginning of our stewardship uh, emphasis. We'll be emphasizing it during the whole month of January, and then the first Sunday of February, we'll be taking our investment uh, Sunday money. We're going to be that day just taking a very special offering, not because we need it, but that's how we prove we love God. You prove you love the Lord by your giving. And uh, I come up with that idea and thought several years ago, and we've been doing this now for 20 plus years every year, the first Sunday in February. It is no accident. It is no surprise. We're just going to give it all. We're just going to lay it on the line and say, Lord, this is how much we love you. And you say, preacher, what are you going to do with the money? Spend it. It's crazy to have money and not spend it. Amen. This year, our theme is investing in the future. Investing in the future. Let me read for you what the Bible says this morning out of the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. Please uh, uh, be attentive to every single word. Uh, Every word is important. And I pray that you'd listen now as we read Matthew, chapter number 6. We'll begin in verse number 19. By the way. You do know that our Lord mentioned material things such as finances, property, and how you handle it more than anything else he mentioned in the New Testament. Okay? Now let me clear up some things before we start. There's many misgivings about this thing of money and material things. The topic is very, very controversial. In fact, a lot of folks just turn you off when you start talking about money. And they refuse to come to church many times because they feel that every time the preacher stands up and preaches, you want to talk about money. But have you noticed that's the only place they quit going because they mention money? Have any of you been to Walmart lately? Did they ever let you out of there without wrecking of you about what you're taking with you? Uh, Did you ever walk in a Walmart that don't have a cashier? How about Kmart? How about your daily eating place? Do they ever have a place where you and them reckon about what you have consumed. Whose air are you using? Whose sun does you enjoy? We had a bunch of idiots. I mean, folks went skiing the other day. I wonder whose snow they used. I wonder whose mountains... That he laid the snow on. Here's three ideas uh, 
Not only is money material, they are theological also. It is personal and theological. Let me give you the three theological beliefs about money. Can I give them to you? First of all, there is the belief or the theological term of poverty theology. You've got to have holes in your britches and a broke down car and live in a shack to be right with God. That's the poverty theology. They think that the preacher has more power with God. If he can bend over and the seat of his pants is so slick from ironing that he has power with God. He can't have a new car, new suit, nice house. Because the poverty theologists believe that you can only have power with God if you're in poverty. Then there is the prosperity theology. You hear that on the Christian television today. Uh, Name it and get it. Name it and claim it. Brag it and grab it. You know all of that kind of stuff. And this teaches that If you're right with God, you'll always have a lot of possessions. And to be right with God is to be rich and healthy and wise. And then there is the proper theology. The proper theology is, it is all God's to begin with. And what we have, we have from God And we are stewards or managers of what God has given us. And that is the proper theology. The proper theology is what John gave me a while ago, that $50 bill. I saw the surprise in some of your eyes. I wish I'd asked John for that before the preacher did. The surprise of is when John jumped up so quickly, most of you know John. <laughs> if anybody knows how to manage a buck, it's John. And he didn't bring $50 to give me today. But he gave me my money back. That's what stewardship is all about. It all belongs to God. We're managers of what God has given us. Now look, if you would please, to the book of Matthew. And the most famous message Jesus ever preached is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus said to the 12 disciples that he was getting ready to be evangelist and be an example for everyone who lived after them. And it just so happens in the middle of that message, Jesus said this, lay not up for yourselves, verse 19, treasures upon earth. Now notice he didn't say money. He said treasures. Treasures encompass more than money. Treasures encompass your heart. And what is most precious to your heart? It might be a 68 Camaro. It might be a set of golf clubs. It might be a house. It might be a horse. 
It might be anything in the world that God has trusted you with and given you. He says, don't you dare get wound up and fall in love with the wrong thing. Lay not up for yourselves treasures where moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do break through and steal. I jumped a verse, but that's all right. It's these glasses. I went to the doctor last week and he said, you're blind. What do you want me to do? I says, give me a CNI dog. He didn't do it. Let me begin again. Verse 19. Lay up, lay not up for yourselves treasures uh, upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So evidently then this thing about stewardship and this thing about finances, things about treasures is a heart matter. Is that right? It's a heart matter. Now, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate, that's a strong word, hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Two gods, God, mammon. You either love one and hate the other. You hold the one, despise the other. Please let me help you today, if you would please. And I'd like to talk to you for just a minute and not very long today about God's investment principles. Now, we just sold $2.4 million worth of church bonds. Many of you folks took your IRAs and you took your investments and your life savings and put in those bonds. You did that also 15 years ago. I told you if you'd take your life savings, put in our bonds, that we would pay you X amount of interest for 15 years. We've done that, have we not? And you have made money out of that, have you not? And we talked a bunch lately about investing in the future. I want to talk to you today about investing not only in the future, but investing in heaven instead of on this earth. I want to talk to you about investment principles. God teaches certain principles of investment. Notice verse number 20, if you would please. The Bible said, but lay not up for yourself treasures or lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Or, verse number 19, you can lay up treasures on the earth. Now, the only thing about those treasures are, one is eternal, one is temporal. One never ceases, the other rots, rusts, or wrinkles. 
If you can see it, it's temporary. If you can see it, it is going to rot, rust, or wrinkle. You say, no, it ain't. Look in the mirror. Just don't try to move it and stretch it and move it around. And just realize if it's down here, it is temporary. Riches gather them wings and fly away, the Bible says. And I, I want to help you a little bit. And I just want to uh, encourage you because God's book teaches us investment principles. You say, oh, that just talks about heaven. No, this book teaches us investment principles. You embrace them, God blesses you. You ignore them, God don't bless you. It's just that simple. And I just want to ask you something today. Is God's blessings worth 10%? Is God's blessings worth a little more than 10%? How much is God's blessings worth? Worth to you. I want you to think about that. The Bible says there is an investment principle. You can either invest in this earth or you can invest in heaven. I mean, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand that. A principle now is a comprehensive and fundamental law or rule. God has some fundamental rules and laws laid down in this book. He said, if you will believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life. How many of you believe that? You believe that? And I, I, I embrace that principle. I embrace, I embrace that fact 40 some years ago. And when I bowed my head and bent my knee at my couch over in Farmer's Branch and I entrusted Christ as my personal Savior, there is a fundamental law. There is a principle in the Word of God. God says, you do this and I'll give you eternal life. Does anybody here today believe that? Then why would you believe that concerning your soul and take so lightly that which pertains to your financial blessings and material worth on this earth. I don't understand why anybody would do that. And so you must embrace God's principle. Let me give you the first principle of God's investment. You ready? The first principle of God's investment. Number one, there is the decision principle that you need to embrace. The decision principle. Principle of investment. Now listen to this. The decision principle, you either are going to decide to invest in heaven or invest in earth. You say, preacher, that, 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 that's pretty stout. No. There is an investment principle. Number one, to obey God or not to obey God. Now, you've you, you got to make that. You're going to make that decision whether you like it or not. Amen. 
You, you, you are going to have to, and you're going to have to make that decision. I got saved 40-some years ago. And the preacher, as soon as I got saved, sat back on my couch. He said, now, Gene, you need to be baptized. That's what he told me. So now I've got a decision to make. I got saved. I sat down on my couch. And I have a decision to make. Now I'm saved. Am I going to obey God or keep living like the devil? There's a big decision you need to make. Who's going to be boss in your life? Who's running the show? Who's the chairman of the board? Who is running the show? You are going to have to make a decision. And the big decision is, are you going to obey God once and for all? And are you going to obey God in every principle that he has embraced? So I made the decision 46 years ago when I got saved, it was all God's and not mine. And the preacher said, now, Gene, you need to be baptized. I said, no, I got that all taken care of. I was baptized in Tennessee when I was 12. He said, well, Gene, it takes somebody saved to be baptized. Oh, you mean I wasn't saved when I got baptized at 12? That's what I mean. Oh, you mean God's word says I need to baptize, be baptized spiritually and scripturally. Yeah, that's what I mean. I said, well, since I've already made the big decision to obey God in everything, uh, baptism is just one of those little decisions. I just need to go ahead and do it. Sunday morning, I crawled in the water and got baptized. And it shrunk the shirt I was in so bad I never could wear it again. So if I make the big decision to obey God... Then when these little decisions come along, like being baptized, like tithing, like being faithful, like going to church like you need to, like selling out to See, all them little decisions just fell in the back because I'd already made the big decision. And that was to obey God. To obey this book. To live like this book says. And so. Before we ever get to anything else. There is the. The decision. Principle. In investment. Could I help you? God don't need your money. God could buy you out of petty cash. God could take care of you totally out of his petty case. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills and a wealth and never mind. Why, if Jesus wanted to, he could just say, Peter, go down and catch a fish. We need to pay our taxes. By the way, it's about tax time. Do you need a fish? Guess who catches fish? I'm just trying to help you now. And you say, well, preacher, I don't like you talking about money. I don't remember asking you. Did, did you miss my call this morning to see if I could talk about money? It gets quiet, don't it? He said, you're going to make me mad. I'm going to make you so glad in a minute. I wonder why our church ran over $100,000 over budget last year. 
I wonder why we don't have to take a special offering. Helped some folks last week to the tune of almost $2,000. Why is it you've never heard me take a special offering for a need? Why is it when we need three or four air conditioners down at the, down at the school and it costs uh, uh, four or $5,000 a piece? I wonder why you never knew that we had to spend that kind of money. I wonder, you've never, how long has it been since you've seen me take an offering for new buses? We just bought six. I wonder why. I wonder why God blesses our church financially. It's because our church embraces the financial principles that I teach you. Give and it shall be given unto you. See, the first principle you've got to make. If you've never been saved, you need to make the principle right today. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to accept God's gift of eternal life. I'm going to thank Jesus Christ for dying for me on Calvary's cross. And I'm going to just embrace his principles because his principles has worked throughout the eons of time. And they'll keep working next week. No matter how many computers, cell phones, and iPads you get, the Bible is still right up to date. And its principles work. They're fundamental laws that always work. And so there is the decision principle, that great big decision, and you need to decide that you're going to obey God. My Bible said it is better to obey than to sacrifice. God loves someone who will obey. You remember King Saul told Samuel that I've done exactly what God told me to do. And suddenly they heard the oxen in the back and the sheep in the back. And Samuel said to that partially obedient king, well, if you destroyed all of Amalek's crowd and all of his cattle and all of his wealth, what is that I hear lowing behind you? And you say, preacher, I am broke. How did you buy that $50,000 truck with cruise control and wife control and babysitter in the back? Well, preacher, I I don't have no money. Are you living in a shack, are you? What's that I hear lowing behind you? It's giving away what you drove in the parking lot. give, Give you up that you really are not broke. And Saul said, Samuel, the people, I I saved all of this to sacrifice to God. And God says, to obey is better than to sacrifice. You got that? To obey. The best thing I can do today is to make that great big decision. I am going to obey God. With my life, in my family, with what he has entrusted me with, because I brought nothing in. And it's for sure I'm taking nothing out. You heard about the guy in California, the movie star that had his brand new Cadillac. And he decided that when he died, he wanted to be, die, wanted to be buried in his Cadillac. 
So he died. They embalmed him, set him up behind the wheel, got a crane, and all the family and all the friends were there. And they watched as they led him down in the grave. And one friend said, what a way to go. He's gone. You want to be buried with what gave you, what God gave you? You took, you brought nothing in. You're taking nothing out. And everything that I have, I've received. You need to make that decision principle. I'm just going to obey God. Second principle. Notice if you would please. There is the given principle of investment. Look at verse 19 if you would and 20. Verse 19 and 20. You can either lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. You can invest in the earth. Or you can lay up treasures in heaven. Okay? Uh, but the Bible says that what you lay up on earth, that is possible that rust and moth and thieves might take that which you've got. Does anybody here today have any keys in their pocket? I wonder why you've got keys. Did any of you lock your home before you came to church today? Is there anybody like that? Would you say amen? Amen. Why did you do that? To protect your stuff. Amen. You don't want nobody messing with your stuff. Because it's your stuff. And the best you can do, if you've got a key, it's going to rust. You got a lock, it'll probably rust. Everything you and I have today on this earth is so temporary. Could I give you God's principle of giving and investing? Turn your Bible to Luke 6. Please look at that, would you? Luke 6. God's principles are very, very, very simple. In Luke 6, the book of Luke, chapter number 6. And I want to read you God's principle of investment. The given principle of investments. I'm looking for verse number 38. Has anybody found it? Now, over that verse, I have written Godonomics. Godonomics, not economics, Godonomics. Godonomics does not work like economics. Economics, get all you can and can all you get. Because that's where your security is. Would somebody tell me the first word in the verse of Godonomics? Oh, really? That's kind of strange. 
Would you say that's strange? First word in verse number 38. Somebody tell me what it says. Okay, give. Could you please quote some of the rest of it? And it shall be given unto you. Okay. Does anybody in the world believe that? Now, I was raised in a country. You never tell that, but I'm so slick and suave and polished. And I was raised, uh, you can't believe this, but I was raised before they had forced air heating. Uh, uh, We had two bedrooms and a path. I was born before Charmin. We were more acquainted with Sears and Roebuck catalog. When I was raised, there was a big pot-bellied stove in the middle of the living room. I slept in the living room because I had two sisters and they got everything they wanted and I didn't get anything. I was raised before they had carpet, I guess. I never seen any. We had... I'm familiar with linoleum. And I was raised in Tennessee. It gets cold in Tennessee. I mean, cold, cold in Tennessee. I remember every morning in the wintertime after I'd cut the kindling and brought in the wood and carried in the cold the night before. of laying in the bed there and watching my dad come tiptoeing through the living room on that linoleum. You don't need to wash your face to wake up if you've got linoleum. <laughs> Because as soon as your bare tootsies hit the anodium, you are immediately awake. And I remember my dad coming tiptoeing through the linoleum to that big old cold black pot-bellied stove in the living room. And I remember my dad coming to that stove and looking at that stove black and cold. He would say, now stove, you give me some heat and I'll go get you some wood. Is that the way that works? In other words, I'll give you something, then you'll give me something in return. Why is it we think that if you give me something, I'll give it back? That's economics, not Godonomics. Godonomics, spiritualonomics, spiritually, biblically, God says, give, and it shall be given unto you. But now notice how God returns. Look at the rest of the verse. And it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. (laughs) You need to be a farm boy to understand that. You need to be reared someplace where there's an agricultural uh, climate to you. And what he's talking about is in my terminology, when I was a kid, we used to have baskets called bushel baskets. That meant it was one bushel. And we could take that bushel basket and we could put in corn all the way to the top. And if you worked real hard, you could press it down and then you could pour some more in. Press it down a little bit more, you could pour some more down. But now you can't press it down anymore. So then he says, shake it together. And as you begin to shake it, you notice that the corn recedes down and there's room for more. And then you can pour in more. 
God says, if you will give to me, I'm going to give back to you in a Godonomic way. You're going to give according to how you have it. But when you give it, I'm going to multiply it. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. And when you've done all of that and put all that in, I'm just going to keep giving it till it runs out all over you. Why is it you think that every time a preacher has a decent car, he's a crook? Why is it a fundamental Baptist thing if you can comb your hair with your own brush, you haven't stolen the brush? Have you ever thought of this? If we'd just obey God, if America would obey God, we wouldn't need to borrow money from the Chinese. If we would just obey God, we would not need to do anything. God would bless this country and just bless it in such a way that he would press it down and shake it together. And by the way, he has blessed us that way. And we are just taking it for granted and just have sprung God and kicked him out of school, kicked him out of everything. Forbid anybody to pray unless there's a school shooting, then everybody can pray. But there's a principle you need to embrace. The principle of decision. I'm going to obey God. And then there's the given principle. And God says, I'm going to give back to you. But God does not give like we give. You know, all God is looking for, and I'm going to close. All God is looking for, Brother Jim... Is just a, a vessel that he can use to bless somebody else with. He, he just looking, if you would please, he's just looking for a given channel. He's given somebody, he, he's looking for somebody who will just be that channel to be a blessing. You know, God just blesses some folk with the ability to make money. And they're not crooked, they just know how to do it. If you were to take all the money away from the rich people in the world, they'd have it back in 45 days. They'd just give you a credit card and wouldn't be long. They'd have all the money back. You know, it's a fact that every American has $8,000 plus on a credit card. Credit. $8,000 for every American. If I were to ask you, how many of you pay the credit card off all the way every month, it would scare you to death. Well, preacher, I just don't be obligated down at the church. Well, I don't know why you're obligated everywhere else. All God is looking for, God is not looking for my money. All God is wanting for me is to be a source by which he can bless other people. The angel came to a virgin lady several years ago by the name of Mary. And the angel said, you have found favor with God. And she said, well, what does he want me to do? And he said... (laughs) 
Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and his name shall be called Jesus. And she said, how shall this thing be? You want me to give this? How can I do that? And the angel said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And she said, be it unto me according to thy word. All God was looking for was a vessel to bless this world. And she said, be it unto me according to thy word. All Jesus is, is just a vessel by which God the Father can bless everybody in this place. And Jesus said, Father, I'll do it. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Paul said, I'll be that vessel. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Is there anybody here today want and be willing to be a vessel for God to use to bless somebody else? That's all God wants. He's just looking for vessels, bless your heart. Vessels that will be an investment in the in eternity of vessels. And, and then notice the return. I got to close. Dear Lord, a guaranteed return. Huh? Now, we made a guarantee with our bonds. If you bought our bonds, you are guaranteed a return. And if we fail to pay, our property is standing as collateral on your investment. And you say, well, I'd rather have that kind of investment as one in the stock market because FDIC is guaranteeing my investment down at the bank. And after all, FDIC is backed by our government who has all the money that they can print. But my investment in eternity has a collateral with it, has a return with it, that I'll guarantee you can't get anywhere in the world. It's guaranteed. I want to read for you out of the book of Proverbs. I know you have it there, but in the book of Proverbs, I read uh, about an investment, if you please. And I want to show you, it's a guaranteed return. It's a wonderful thing to know that you're going to get this. In Proverbs 3 and verse 9, listen to me now. Listen. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of thy increase. 
Here's the increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You say, well, now, preacher, I don't have any wine presses or I don't have any barns. So how could that be? God is saying, I'll even give you some barns. God says, you give to me and I'll give back. Chapter 8 and verse 17. God says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Notice, riches and honor are with me. Yea, doable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold. My revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness and in the midst of the paths of judgment. Now notice, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. I wonder, is there anybody here know a happy, rich person? Do you know any happy millionaires? Let me read this for you. I know I don't need the blessing of the Lord. Maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Do you think Donald Trump has had any sorrow? Pick your movie star. Pick your hero athlete. Why does athletes that make millions of dollars sell drugs? You tell me why in the world a guy making 50, 50 million a year can't pay $150,000 for the earrings he bought. He's got to try to cheat the, drug, the jewelry store out of it. Listen to me. Listen to me. You'll not find many happy, wealthy people unless they are Christians who's made that first decision I'm going to obey God. God's not against things. God wants to give us the desires of our heart. He just don't want things to own us. You got that? God invest in eternity. And you will have a guaranteed return. I don't have time to tell you about the rest of it. But... God's given principle returns on the basis of sowing and reaping. You got that? Sowing and reaping. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, I just want to share a testimony of our church. Never a preacher has been by Never has a missionary come by. Two years ago, 
We gave one family in this church over $200,000 in benevolence every week for five years. Over $200,000. This past week, $2,000 in just benevolence. Now, why does God bless that? Because there's a principle in the Bible. You reap according to that which you would sow. When I was in evangelism, I'm telling you, I I asked God several times, when's my crop coming up? (laughs) Poor little old ginger. One particular time. It's been five weeks since I'd had a love offering. And uh, I was at a church and they gave me a $100 love offering. And I did not want to be nasty or unappreciative. And I told the preacher, I said, preacher, I do not want to be offensive. But I believe you reap what you sow. And I said, preacher, that $100 is not going to take care of my crop. So I'm just going to give it back to you. And let God bless. I jumped on an airplane, flew to Holland, Michigan. Dr. House was the pastor there at Calvary Baptist Church. And he gave me over $5,000 love offering. And had to fight the deacons to give it to me. Because it was so large, the deacons felt that I didn't deserve that much. You reap according to that which you sow. And the reason this church has been blessed is because it practices the principle in the word of God. It sows, God multiplies, and we enjoy it. Can you say amen? Amen. If it'll work here, it'll work at your house. It's worked at my house. It'll work in your house. But now, if you want to live on what you can get, have a ball. I'd like to live on what God can get. Come on. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. I don't want money if I got to argue over it and worry about it and worry about who's going to break in and steal it. I want to be happy in the Lord. God's investment principles. 